welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and as always, I'm just so glad to be with you here today. This timing of this particular podcast finds us very near Christmas, about a week away, and because of that, I want to reflect on some lessons we can learn from the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So the busy Christmas season is upon us, and we can find ourselves all wrapped up, or literally wrapping too, as I usually find myself this time of year, Um, but all wrapped up in things like planning and cooking and baking and cleaning and shopping and decorating and ministry activities and just a multitude of other tasks that seem to come about during the Christmas season, in addition to just the normal activities of life that we're dealing with. And for me personally, I know I can lose focus and I need to continue to pray to the Lord to remind me to have the heart of Mary, now a different Mary here, and not get caught up with the attitude of Martha and all that needs to be done. I'm a very task-focused person. You know, I'm the one with the list and crossing my list off, and it's always on my mind that I need to be intentional and prayerful to not miss the wonder of the Christmas season. If I sound a little raspy, I'm really sorry. I'm just getting over a, uh, actually it was a pretty bad cold. So I'm on the mend, but I know I sound, I might sound a little rough still. So hopefully the mic won't pick that up so much. But I want to bring us to Luke 2.19, a passage we've all read as women. Luke 2.19 tells us, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This particular passage in Luke reminds me to ponder, as Mary did, the truth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, an amazing truth. The God of the whole universe took on human flesh to live and walk among us as one of us so he could take our sins upon himself and die for us. We are an undeserving, wretched people. We have much to ponder here. And I love Mary because she was a thinker. More than once, we find her pondering and treasuring up these things in her heart. And pondering is hard work, which is why many of us never get around to it. Sometimes we've heard the Christmas story so often that it's lost its impact on us. The Christmas season can have us so busy and tired that we don't have time to think deeply about the things Mary thought about. I picture Mary looking at sweet little Jesus as she holds him in her arms and thinking to herself, this is God in the flesh. She's just a young girl, and she has just given birth to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You know, sometimes in our Christian walk, when we first meet the Lord, when he saves us, we are just in awe. And as time goes on in our walk, we can sometimes get lost in the busyness and the mundaneness of life, and really not take the time to meditate on God's Word and the realities of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. But the Christmas season can be a time, a reminder to us to refocus, to again think deeply about the realities of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. God's Word is alive It's true. I want to continually know and grow more in my love and knowledge 
of who the Lord is and truly ponder deeply on those things so they take root and bring about change in my walk with Him, that they would grow me more in my love for Him and through that in my love for others. And that starting within the four walls of my own home. So every Christmas, I look forward to reading the account of the birth of Luke, of the birth of Christ in Luke together as a family on Christmas morning. And I'm amazed at Mary's faith. What must have gone through her mind when the angel Gabriel approached her? How did she process the news that she and Joseph were to raise the Son of God? What depths of sorrow did she endure while watching her son die a horrific death on a cross? There are many lessons that we can learn from Mary's life, but I want to share just 10 today. And I'm going, I'm expanding on these lessons from an older article I wrote on this, and I'm going to link to that in the show notes. But let's look at 10 lessons that God's word has taught me through the life of Mary. The first one is, Mary knew God's word. In Luke 1, 54 to 55, where she's um, singing, she's really laying out Mary's Magnificat, as we have known this beautiful song of Mary's. She says in those verses, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So in the time Mary lived, She was probably illiterate, but she had heard the word of God and kept it hidden in her heart. How well do we know God's word? Are we able to speak the words of his truth to others? Is our time in the word an important part of our day, no matter how busy the schedule looks? I want to share some thoughts from John Piper on Mary on this particular point about her knowing God's word. Mary sees clearly a most remarkable thing about God. He is about to change the course of all human history. The most important three decades in all of time are about to begin. And where is God? Occupying himself with two obscure, humble women, one old and barren, Elizabeth, and one young and a virgin, Mary. And Mary is so moved by this vision of God, the lover of the lowly, that she breaks out in song, a song that has become to known as the Magnificat. Mary and Elizabeth are wonderful heroines in Luke's account. He loves the faith of these women, and the thing that impresses him most, it appears, and the thing he wants to impress on Theophilus, his noble reader of his gospel, is the lowliness and cheerful humility of Elizabeth and Mary as they submit to their magnificent God. Elizabeth says in Luke one forty three, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And Mary says in Luke one forty eight, He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. The only people whose soul can truly magnify the Lord are people like Elizabeth and Mary, people who acknowledge their lowly estate and are overwhelmed by the condescension of the magnificent God. So again, our first point was Mary knew God's word. She knew God's truth. The second one was Mary was filled with the Spirit. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And that's Luke one thirty-five. So as believers... We have the Holy Spirit working in us, and there's nothing we can accomplish for God outside the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Do you tap into the power of the Spirit, or do you rely on your own strength to get through difficult situations and trials? May we submit our lives to Him, working in and through us. Henry Morris says, We cannot comprehend the mechanics of such a miracle. We can only believe God's word. We must be honest that it is that we must be honest that his verse is what I would call holy ground. So we need to take off our shoes and marvel at the mystery and the majesty in this description that was just laid out there in Luke 135. Even as a physician, I would not dare try to explain scientifically the supernatural working of God, lest we lose the sense of wonder at such a miraculous work of God. As Robertson says, the wonder of Mary would increase at these words. The miraculous conception or virgin birth of Jesus is thus plainly set forth in Luke as in Matthew. The fact that Luke was a physician gives added interest to his report. I do love the thought of that. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And again, that was Luke 135. A third point is Mary said yes to God's plan for her life. Luke 138 tells us, and Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary had an obedient, submissive, and humble heart. Are we ladies willing to say yes, Lord, to whatever task he calls us? May we be faithful, obedient servants. John MacArthur, in his study Bible, shares on this particular verse, Mary was in an extremely embarrassing and difficult position. Betrothed to Joseph, she faced the stigma of unwed motherhood. Joseph would obviously have known that the the child was not his. She knew she would be accused of adultery, an offense punishable by stoning, yet she willingly and graciously submitted to the will of God, end quote there. So in other words, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6.10. This is an amazing expression of Mary's profound faith, not even a what if, There were no questions, simply wholehearted acceptance of the word of God. Mary is an example of one who was totally surrendered to God's will. Number four, Mary was quiet before the Lord and meditated on all he had done in her life. Luke 2.19 again, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And Luke 2.51 And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. How often are we truly quiet before the Lord, just pondering on what he has done and is doing in our lives? Do we take time to meditate on his word? Charles Spurgeon talks about on Mary pondering them in her heart on that particular verse. Mary weighed them estimated them at their right value. Mary laid these things up in store and pondered them, giving them their due weight and value. Oh, that we did the same with every truth that we learn. The best of coffers to lay up anything is in his heart. Happy are those who, like Mary, store up the things of Christ, not in their brain, though that would make them orthodox, but in their heart 
for that will bring them salvation. Number five, Mary turned to Jesus for help when she had a problem to be solved. John 2, 3 through 5 says, When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. So whatever he says to you, do it. That is great advice for any situation. So whatever Jesus tells you to do in his word, do it. So when a problem arises, where do we turn first for our guidance? Do we see Christ or do we turn to others? Do we spend time worrying? Do we point others to Christ? Number six, Mary was a woman of worship. Luke 1, 46 to 47. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary gave praise to her Lord, knowing that the road before her was going to be a difficult one. Do we praise Him in and through all circumstances in our lives? Number seven, Mary trusted in the Lord and waited on His timing. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And that's Matthew 1, verses 19 to 20. So Mary, a virgin, betrothed to be married, And she just had a visitation from an angel of the Lord telling her she's to give birth to the Son of God. How do you explain this one to Joseph, right? But Mary didn't take matters into her own hands, but she let the Lord change Joseph's heart. How often do we feel the need to change our husbands instead of letting the Lord do His work in them? We women are born controllers, but we need to learn to trust God and wait on Him. Number eight. Mary was a chosen vessel of the Lord. Luke 1, 30-31 says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. If you are a child of God, you have been chosen as to be an instrument that God is using to fulfill his purposes. Mary was chosen to give physical life to the Son of God, and we are chosen to give spiritual life and encouragement to others. Are you living an an eternally focused life? Do you take the time to share the truth of the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ with others, including those in our own homes? Are we aware of the Holy Spirit and His promptings, and are we eager to obey? Do we allow His warmth and love to fill our hearts and flow through our hands? Today, the presence and power of Christ remain with us through the Holy Spirit, who is the true, eternal Spirit of Christmas all year long. Augustine said, God gives where He finds empty hands, end quote there. Mary had empty hands. Do we have empty hands. When we do, I'm so reminded that we are in a place to receive favor from the Lord as he is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Number nine, Mary was a faithful servant. 
When it seemed like everyone had deserted Jesus, his mother Mary was there, and she followed him all the way to the cross. Today, there are not many professing believers who are ready to follow Jesus to the cross. Are you a true follower of Christ? Are you faithful to Jesus no matter the circumstances or the difficulty of what you may be called to endure? There are many who claim to be followers of Jesus but are deceived. See Matthew 7.21. John 19.25 tells us, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And number 10, Mary knew that Jesus was dying on the cross for her sins. So grace is, we know, is unmerited favor, right? Grace is a blessing we receive, even though we don't deserve it. Mary needed grace from God and a Savior, just like we do. And Mary understood this fact as she declared in Luke 1.47, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Jesus was her son, but he was also her Savior. The child she loved, she also watched die on a cross for the sins of the world, including hers. Do you know that Christ died for your sins? Have you repented and put your faith and trust in him and in him alone for your salvation? Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Luke 2, 34-35 tells us, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." So my ponderings, the one lesson I hold to the most is being able to say yes, Lords. These two words were shared with me through a Revive Our Hearts conference many years ago, and they greet me daily when I open my planner or my prayer journal. As we enter this Christmas season and the next seasons the Lord has for us, may we remember to have hearts that are submissive to God's will for our lives. How do we intentionally keep the focus on Christ? It does begin with our own hearts and attitudes. We do have such an impact in our homes as wives and mothers. I'm reminded here again of Mary. That first Christmas night was not this pristine, calm moment that we picture when we look at our pretty nativity scenes. Our homes can look anything but calm during this season. But Mary, who treasured and pondered these things in her heart, chose to trust the Lord in the midst of all the chaos, and we're reminded by her actions that true peace doesn't depend on our circumstances. Peace comes when we set our hearts on what's true and lasting, and not on temporary earthly things. God's call, it's going to look different to each one of us. He may call some of us to say yes to marriage, or singleness, or many children, or few children, or no children, or adoption, or missions overseas, or mission in our homes, missions in our neighborhoods, difficult relationships, prodigal children, lost of loved ones, life of riches, lives of poverty, and the list can go on and on. But one thing he has called us all to as followers of Christ is faithfulness. 
May we surrender our lives to his will and purpose for our lives. May we surrender to him on bended knee and say, Yes, Lord, Jesus is enough always. So thank you, my friends, and I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I will see you back here sometime next year on the blog and the podcast, and I'm not sure when that will be exactly. It may not be until early or mid-February, probably for the podcast for sure, but I'm not sure about the blog if I'll get a post or two in before that time. But I'm hoping to start a series on the podcast on the spiritual disciplines when I do start back up again. So look for that. And if you want to get updates through my newsletter, which is for my um, blog subscribers, I'd love you to do that. And I'll put a link in the show notes. You also get some free resources from me when you do that too. So my dear friends, have a very blessed Christmas celebrating the birth of our Savior. And I will see you back here next year. 